Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I like traveling alone. My RV camper is my home. I just love the look of the open road that stretched endlessly as I maneuver my RV through the vast landscapes. I'm Sarah, a solo traveler seeking solace in the simplicity of the journey. Hours had passed since I last parked, and the exhaustion finally caught up with me. In need of rest, I decided to settle in a remote location, far from the hustle and bustle of civilization. As the sun dipped below the horizon, I parked my RV near remote wilderness. The quiet solitude was both calming and eerie. I prepared a simple meal gazing out at the beauty surrounding me. That's when I noticed it, a car parked nearby, inconspicuous at first. I shrugged off the initial unease, convincing myself it was another traveler seeking a quiet spot for the night. Night fell and I crawled into my makeshift bed, the coziness of my RV providing a semblance of security. However, as the hours ticked away, an unsettling feeling crept over me. A subtle discomfort settled in my gut, and I couldn't shake the sensation of being watched. I dismissed it as paranoia, 
a byproduct of fatigue and attempted to succumb to the embrace of sleep. In the dead of night, a strange noise jolted me awake. It was a sound foreign to the stillness, a whisper on the wind, a creak of metal. My heart pounded as I strained to listen, realizing the noise was just outside my R.I.V. Panic seized me as I cautiously approached the window, peering into the darkness. A shadowy, humanoid-like figure lurked, obscured by the night. Fear gripped me as I fumbled to secure the doors and windows, the figure persistently attempting entry. The vulnerability of my solitary existence sank in. I was alone, miles away from any semblance of help, and the eerie feeling of being hunted clawed at my senses. Desperation pushed me to reach for my phone, my lifeline to the outside world. But to my dismay, there was no signal. The isolation intensified, and my heart sank as I realized the gravity of the situation. My only hope was to turn on the RV and get the hell out there. As I turned on my RV, the figure outside remained a menacing presence, refusing to relent. My attempts to scare it and threaten yield no results. After a few minutes, I went full throttle from that place and never again returned. If you're interested, I'll give you coordinates of the place of encounter. Some of you may remember that back in 2014, a man named Eric Frayne ambushed two Pennsylvania state troopers, killing one. Before fleeing into the woods, armed and intent to cause trouble, and beginning an almost 50-day manhunt in the wet forests of eastern Pennsylvania. That part of Pennsylvania is beautiful but treacherous land. It's rolling, gentle hills with thickets of scrub and hidden bogs. There are a million swamps to traverse, and some of those hills are secretly just piles of shale waiting to slide out from your feet. The tree cover is dense, and you cannot walk a straight line for 50 feet. Mr. Freen knew this land well, you see, and it's why he dodged a massive manhunt for about six weeks, often teasing the trackers and their dogs. He laid traps, stored weapon cages, and generally relived Rambo. First blood, but with way less fighting. I was working as a wetland scientist, scouting out a proposed path for a natural gas pipeline through that land. In the middle of the manhunt, in the very same forests, Mr. Frayne hid in. So we were in the woods being stopped by search teams, buzzed by helicopters, and in all likelihood crossing old trails laid by Mr. Frayne himself. When the pipe bomb traps hit the news, I spent every moment scanning the forest floor for tripwires. It was a frightening experience at odds with that land in early autumn. The bushes in the swamp started to turn fiery red while the leaves went orange and yellow. The air is crisp and there's enough green for it to stand out. Everything is covered in a light mist in the morning that burns off by lunchtime and the sun is clear and warm. There is nothing so off-putting as standing in radiant beauty, believing you are in absolute peril. When I was in my early twenties, my friends and I thought it would be a brilliant idea to go night hiking through some woods said to be haunted. It was a very, very, very old town that died out due to some illness. I believe the rumors said tuberculosis. 
You can walk the horse path and there are stone foundations on either side of you. Really neat, actually. You were supposed to be able to hear children laughing and dancing in the trees, apparently. Yeah, didn't hear any children laughing, but I did record our whole hike. That night, going over the footage with a friend of mine on his TV, he told me to stop and rewind. I did, and we must have rewound that thing 30 times. There was a face peeking behind trees following us. Not a human face, a weird gremlin-type face distorted, large sunken eyes and a flat nose, pointy chin. We thought we were seeing things, but we watched it so many times, adjusted the brightness and contrast on his TV. Sure as shit, never went back. While on our honeymoon in June of 1985, my wife and I were backpacking overnight in the Mount Jefferson Wilderness area. We were camped about three miles from the trailhead. I think it was called the Whitewater Trailhead. We were camped just off the trail at around 5,300 feet, and there were no other campers around for miles. Sometime during the middle of the night, we were both awakened by very heavy footsteps coming down the trail. I was an experienced backpacker and had encountered deer, elk, and bear before including having my camp raided by a black bear in the uh, Dianondack Mountains. This creature was definitely bipedal. It took two steps, stopped, took two more steps, stopped, etc. With each set of steps, the creature was clearly much closer to our camp. After the third or fourth set of steps, I let out the loudest scream I could muster. The creature immediately leapt, took two steps away from camp, and was gone. Its actions gave the impression that it was attempting to be stealthy and investigate our camp. After a few minutes, we left the tent. We did not actually see the creature, because the tent flap was zipped closed, built up the fire, and made lots of noise. Once there was sufficient light, after several long hours, we examined the trail for footprints. The footsteps appeared to be coming from the trail, but as conditions had been dry, we found no prints. There were also no other signs of the creature around the area. As an experiment, my wife went into the tent, laid down, and I stomped down the trail as loudly as possible in my lug boots. I am six foot three and weighed around 220 at that time. She heard my stomping, but it was nothing compared to the night before, where we could actually feel the ground shake. Also, despite my best efforts, I was unable to leave any prints on the trail. After thoroughly extinguishing the fire, we packed up and went back to our car. We did not report the incident to the Marion County Sheriff. Back in the 1980s, I was stationed in Prague, Czechoslovakia within the U.S. military. I came home to visit my family for Christmas, and while at their house, me and my stepfather got into a heated argument about politics, of all things. At one point, he said something that really pissed me off so much I decided not to stay any longer. It would only lead to trouble between his bones. So after spending some time with him, I walked up the door on him without giving any notice or saying goodbye to anybody else in my family. My wife was busy at work when this happened, so she did not have an opportunity to say goodbye either. 
This was around 4 p.m. in the evening. I began walking on the street where my car is parked just a few blocks away. As I'm walking along, I hear this very loud whooshing sound directly overhead. At first I thought it was maybe a helicopter as this thing had passed overhead or at least oncoming, but it sounded nothing like one. The noise this thing reminded me of was what you'd hear like if you took a time. Lapse recording from maybe an aircraft carrier or something similar. It sounded as though there were multiple engines within the object as well, due to the various levels of pressure coming from different directions, which kind of created an oscillating effect that shook everything below it. Adding to this deafening sound, the closer it came, in order for me to understand what this was, I ran as fast as I could to my car, threw it in reverse, and started speeding up to the street to get back onto the main highway. As I'm pulling out of the parking spot on that side of the street, I see it for the first time. This thing flies right across my windshield and overhead. My first thought was, oh no, because now that it's close up, I can see this thing has a distinct human form. And although its body seems elongated and muscular like an athlete or something similar, it had wings on its arms which made me think of a bat but without fur or any feathery appendages. It also had legs with feet so large that from the distance I saw it, I would have never believed it for real had I not seen this with my own eyes. As this thing was flying overhead, it turned its head and looked right at me with a very menacing glare that totally said, I see you. I'll never forget the feeling of being busted for doing something wrong by somebody old enough to be your father. That's what this thing felt like and it had a long, protruding snout, kind of like a beak, or maybe an anteater, or something similar, and very large, orbish black eyes. Its skin and face were also very pale. When I drove off, I looked back to see where it went. The thing was gone, just like a ghost. I never knew they were in this area until after my encounter with them, but I read about similar sightings happening online. This really surprised me at the time. I never saw anything like it or even heard anybody else talk about them until now. Now that I know about their existence, I'm talking about gargoyles. It was a few years ago, but I was camping near a beach with some friends for a couple days, and one night, God knows what I was thinking, I decided to go for a walk by myself well after twelve in the middle of January. While I was hiking through the woods toward the beach, I kept hearing some sort of humming, strumming sound, but didn't think much of it, so I pressed on. As I kept going, deer were running my direction, and I guess didn't see me or didn't care, because they kept getting real close and started to freak me out. But I stupidly kept going. Eventually, the humming sound got louder, and I started to see what I assumed was a lantern and figured it was some other campers, so I tried to quiet myself as much as I could and go around their clearing. As I got closer, I owned that I was so wrong. The lantern I saw was a bonfire roughly the size of a car, and the humming was about twenty, thirty half-naked old people rubbing some kind of powder on their chests and foreheads. They were all dancing. Around the fire and humming, chanting, while one of them just strummed the same three chords on a broken-looking guitar, 
Needless to say, I was spooked to all hell, so I started to backpedal as slowly and quietly as I could. When one of them, an older guy with some feathery necklace, looks right at me, waves, and says, Oh, hey there, young fella. Why don't you come join us and warm up a bit? I'm sure you're cold with just that jacket. Let the flames and ash show you the warmth nature has provided for us tonight. I ran my ass as fast as I could through the woods, and I made sure to take as many detours as I could before going back to camp, because I swear I heard them following me. I know they called out after me while I was running. The second I got back, I pulled out our hatchet and woke up the other guys just in case. They didn't believe me at first, but eventually they did, and none of slept the rest of the night. We did end up seeing them the next day, and I can add that story if people request it. But anyway, thanks for reading. Part 2. Since my odd late-night adventure got me and everyone else pretty spooked, we decided to move our campsite further away from the clearing, where I saw all the weird shit and closer to one of the rocky outcoves by the beach. It must have been around five or so because we could start to see the sunrise, so we figured that would be the best time to pack up and move. Traveling to the water was fine. We didn't hear anything, but we did come across some ash piles close to where we were camping and used them to direct ourselves the opposite direction. Eventually, we made our way to the cove and set up camp around some boulders in a washed-up canoe. While we setting up, we heard some twigs snapping and hoped it was just deer making their way through the woods. But of course it wasn't. The sound was too consistent to be more than a couple deer. It was the old people. I immediately hid down behind the boulders and peeked through the brush while most of my friends did the same or hid under the canoe. I watched the old people as closely as I could without getting spotted this time and didn't see anything too interesting other than some kind of ceremony they held. Now, I don't know what religion it was, but they all stood in a line in front of the older guy from the last post. The older guy had a picture frame next to him with what I assume was another older person in the photo. Couldn't tell 100% from where I was. The older guy was holding a bowl of ashes, and each person in line held either a flower, feather, or large leaf. Each person would take turns going up to the older guy with their object. The older guy would then take it, dip it in the ashes, rub it on their faces, mouths, chests, and hands before giving it back to them. After each person received their object, they would walk a few feet and stand in the sunlight motionless until every other person had done the same. None of them would sit. None of them would move. They just stood there. Eventually, when the older guy did the same to himself, he stood in front of them, with his back turned to them, and slowly lifted his arms like the dark soul's guy. Each of the other old people did the same, and after a couple minutes, each person proceeded to put their blessed object in their mouth or hair, but most preferred the prior. My friends and I must have spent an hour or two watching them do this until they all started walking back into the woods silently. We still don't know what they were doing, but we like to look back and laugh on how weird it was. Didn't actually see anything, and I'm really glad I didn't. A friend and I had started walking a trail system that leads deep through some woods and fields by his house around dusk. 
During the day, it's really peaceful and green and whatnot, but it was late and it was getting dark fast. The area we live in has been flooding recently, and the trail is currently two feet underwater about halfway through the loop. But my friend said we could walk to that point and then take a shortcut back to the beginning through one of those man-made pine forests where the trees are all perfectly lined and spaced apart. We only had to go about 50 feet into the pines before the canopy made it pitch black all around us, but he knows the area, so we kept going. About a hundred feet further in, we both hear a very distinctive squeaky door noise, like literally no chance of it being anything other than old rusty hinges. He's come through here 20 times in the past few weeks while jogging during the day and confirms that he's never seen any type of building or anything with a door back here. We both decided that we'd rather just walk the trail back the way we came in and deal with whatever horror movie shit was happening in there. I've never noped out of a situation faster than I did then. So, moved into a brand new house. Land was an old farm. And since we've moved in, we have had odd things happen. First thing I've noticed, it's some items being moved, like put the remote down on the table and come back to it. And it's moved to the middle on the baby monitor. We see orbs at night that just disappear in front of the camera. I walked past the door and saw something stood in the hallway, so walked back, only to see the dog staring into the hallway, as if she's looking at someone. My Alexa speaker responding to someone asking it for music. This has happened several times. However, today I was on my own in the lounge. The device was in the kitchen. Baby is asleep. Nobody else in the house. The Alexa sparked to life and said playing something stupid by Robbie Williams on Amazon Music. Now I freaked out. Like, how's this switched on? I've checked with my partner, and she's not done it remotely. And if she did, it would have gone straight to play musics and not said now playing. I've checked my ring camera, and nothing is triggered. I've then checked the Alexa voice recorder, and you can hear a very faint, almost distant voice saying the song. I don't recognize the voice. The other thing to note is my phone battery went from 80, 1% moment before this happened to 20, 1% after this happened. What do you guys think? I work in a factory during the graveyard shift from 10 p.m. to 6.30 a.m. in Columbus, Ohio. That night I was actually working my sixth day in a row for overtime. I have had this job for a while now and I am used to this kind of schedule. I'm bringing this up because typically after I get home I am still wide awake and tend to sleep later in the day. I was totally alert when this happened. I ended up leaving work early since I completed a lot more orders than usual, and I was on my way home around 4.30 a.m. I turned down the side street that leads to my apartment complex, and I immediately noticed it is quite dark as the street lights are not illuminated. The suburb I live around uses street lights that have sensors so they light up when people walk by them and turn off by themselves to save energy. As I noticed it was dark, I decided to turn on my brights in my car. I am only six blocks away from home at this point, and 
I come around a small bend in the road that leads up to a children's park and the only stop sign on this street between my apartment, which is a few blocks further. I noticed something in the middle of the road. My first thought was it was some stacked garbage that maybe blew off of the curb into the street, but as I drove closer, I slowed down. As I realized it was a person walking down the street with their back to me, it seemed like an old person, a very old person actually by the way they were walking. I slowed down a lot because it was very odd. I didn't know if they were going to jump in front of my car or what sense there are well maintained sidewalks less than 10 feet for them to use. The next thing I notice is the clothing. The person was walking slowly, almost waddling, and was wearing a hooded jacket with the hood up in their hands inside the front pouch, sweatpants, and soaking wet slippers due to the light rain, without socks. This person was about three car lengths away from the stop sign, and I was close now, getting ready to stop and ask if they needed help or something. As soon as I was just about right behind him, adjacent, this person who I then saw was an old man with wrinkly and very pale skin, whipped around insanely fast and stared at me. My brights were still on, and I could see how pale his skin was, and then I saw the pitchback eyes. No whites in his eyes, just black. I was immediately filled with terror and almost froze up, but I floored it and sped the last few blocks to my apartment, parked and sprinted inside locking all my doors and windows. The next day I realized that none of the street lights were illuminated on my whole street when this happened even though it was within distance to trigger the sensors. I couldn't sleep at all that night. This happened in April 2017. This happened back in the spring of 2018 when I was attending Western Kentucky University. My roommate and I are both old country boys who were living in the city. We are both big outdoorsmen and would rather be in the woods than anywhere else. I grew up in Boy Scouts, so I spent at least one weekend a month from age 13, 18 camping in the woods somewhere. It's just where I feel most at home. So living in the city drove me crazy until I found this beautiful park about 45 minutes outside of Bowling, green called Shanty Hollow Lake. It is a large 135-acre lake with many acres of land surrounding it. This area is a major destination for college kids to hike to a beautiful waterfall. But that's the only trail in this massive park. My buddy and I like to get off the trail and see what we could find. We'd make new trails, climb cliffs, and just explore the area. One thing we noticed a lot was saplings usually about six, eight inches in diameter snapped at the base and then twisted around another tree. Sometimes once, sometimes three times. I always found this odd, and in recent history, I've read these could be used as boundary markers. These were usually found off the beaten path, nowhere close to where people hiked. The night of the encounter, my buddy and I went out around two, zero in the morning to go view a meteor shower. We walked down the trail a ways to get away from the light reflecting off the lake to try and get a better view, but it was a full moon, so not great for view showers. As we're sitting there just taking in the silence, we hear slaps on the water, and a flock of geese go absolutely nuts and take off flying. 
It scared the crap out of us because we weren't talking, just kind of sitting there meditating. We think it is a beaver or something and just laugh it off. But then we hear a curflush. Something massive was thrown into the lake. And I mean massive because it took about five seconds for the water to rain back onto the lake. That is what freaked us out the most. Even though it was very dark, we could see a vast and tall upright form move out of the brush to our right, maybe 150 feet away. There was a grunting sound as well, though it soon faded away. The hair was standing up on the back of my neck, and we both simultaneously said, Let's get the hell out of here, and we booked it out as fast as we could. I'll add that there was no one else there at all that night, and to my knowledge, nothing in the woods could throw a boulder that size. So I asked this question, was it a Bigfoot? I would have to say that it was. I've got a story for you, and I don't know what it is. Time travel, time slip. I don't know. My friend lives 400 miles away from me. She's a girl, but it's nothing romantic. I was at home in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and I had a couple of glasses of wine. I fell asleep on my couch watching a football game. So I woke up at 2.30 a.m. because the dog jumped on me and wanted to go outside and do her business. So I did that, and then I went to bed. I got a phone call about 7 o'clock in the morning from my friend Rhonda, and she said to me, Why did you leave without telling me you were going? And I said, What are you talking about? And she says, You were here last night, remember? And I said, What? She said, I was sitting in my kitchen crying because she and her boyfriend, she told me, had broken up, and you had spent the night comforting me. I said, Rhonda, I'm at home. I'm 400 miles away. She said, No, no, no. You're pulling my leg. She said, Now I'm mad at you. You're telling me you don't believe me and you were here. Anyway, she decided to move back to my home city not long after that night. And get this, I walked into her house to help her pack. And when I stepped into her house, I'd never been there before. It was like, Oh my God, I've been here before. Every hair on my body stood at attention. It was like somebody dumped cold water on me. And get this, she even said to me, don't you remember that at about 2.30 a.m.? You had to take Jessie, my dog, to do her business? So I don't know what that was all about. Was it a ghost story or time travel? And Rhonda and I have talked about it ever since. It's like we are scared to talk about it because it both sends shivers up our spine. This happened in June 2016. The light of the day was starting to fade. We were driving to my mother's house and the small bridge on RT 313 was closed. So we turned left and went through the town of Federalsburg, Maryland. We then turned right, trying to find a detour. I had just mentioned how we were making good time, because I looked at the clock. It was 8.30 p.m. We came upon a very dark wooded area on the road. My mom said, wow, that is really dark. That is the last thing either of us remember. Then the next thing we knew, we looked at the clock. It was 9.25 p.m. It literally felt like seconds before it was 8.30 
my 21 month old daughter had been fussy right before the woods but she was now very quiet the dogs had been panting but were now still and quiet everything was eerily quiet we felt very disoriented and realized we were miles from where we originally were and in the totally wrong direction based on my memory my good sense of direction and my mother's knowledge of the area it made no sense to be where we were I then noticed a burning bump in the back of my head behind my right ear. My mother felt very numb and extremely disoriented. We both felt as though we had a sunburn, a hot, tight feeling on our faces. She then noticed a bump in her head in the same spot. They looked like fresh needle marks. We drove to my mother's house in Seaford, Delaware, in shock and disbelief at what just happened. After arriving home, we experienced headaches, neck aches, and feeling shaky. However, the swelling behind the ear had down on both of us. I was unable to find a mark on my daughter. We are upstanding citizens, and this is not a hoax. Something very strange happened to us that night, something we will never forget. We are thankful we had each other to share our experience with, because it defies logic. Is it possible that we're experienced an alien abduction or a time slip? I can't believe that I say that because I have never believed in those possibilities before that evening. My dad recently told me this story and I was just amazed. I thought you would like to hear it. When I was young, about three or so, I was hospitalized and near death. I had a fever that just would not break and was passed out for most of the hospitalization. My dad, who has always been religious, wanted the hospital's priest to come say a prayer for me. So, the priest comes to pray for me, but something's not right about the guy. He never gives his name and has no Bible. He says the entire prayer in Latin and blesses me. Now, my parents aren't married yet, and since the priest is there... They ask why they haven't been able to have another child yet. They've been trying for about a year with no luck. The priest tells them that they won't have another child until they're married. The priest leaves after that, and an hour later, my fever breaks. The next day, the hospital's priest comes to the room to say a prayer for me. My dad is confused and tells Ann that someone had already come the day before, to which the man replies that no priests were on duty the day before. He checked with all of the hospital staff in their visitation book and everything. Nothing turned up. No priest was in the previous day. He searched for years to find this priest that prayed for me, and he never found a single trace of him anywhere. A month after my mom and dad got married, my mom got pregnant with my brother. So we'll never know who the mysterious man was, but I like to think he's my guardian angel, and he still remains with me. To this day, my dad still has found no record of him, not even someone who looks like him. Someone was looking out for me that day, though. I just wish I knew who. It's not exactly a hiking story, but right when I graduated high school before me, three of my close friends and one of those friends' girlfriend went off to different schools, the military, we decided to go camp at Yellowstone. We were still early in the season, so there was nobody at our campsite. 
The first two days we drove and hiked around looking at geysers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...and springs and all the natural wonder, and our nights we spent by the fire in shorts and t-shirts getting drunk. Thanks to one of our friends being a camp food connoisseur, we ate a lot of amazing food that I didn't even know could be made by campfire. The third night started like the previous two. It was warm and we were drinking, and all was well. I woke up at around 3.30 in the morning because there was something wet and cold on my face. Turns out it snowed so hard in the two hours we'd been asleep that the tent I was in collapsed. The wet and cold was the tent's roof on my face. I woke everyone up and we dug each other out and reset our tents. I figured now was as good a time as any to walk over to the bathroom, which was, I'd say, about the equivalent of two blocks away from our campsite. I should note I would not consider myself a woodsman. I'm comfortable in the outdoors, probably more than most people. At that time in my life, I was an avid fisherman and a competent hunter, but I was very concerned about the wildlife, bears in particular. There are signs everywhere in Yellowstone about the wildlife that will kill you. Don't touch the bears. They will kill you. Don't touch the bison. They will kill you. Don't touch the deer. They will kill you. Hell, there are signs that even tell you not to touch the ground because you could fall through and be acid boiled to death. Each sign comes complete with a bathroom guy illustration of why each thing is dangerous. The bison one I remember most is great, featuring a blocky bison tossing a guy into the air. The bison had speed lines behind it. I remember that very clearly. Anyway, I'm walking to the bathroom. It's dead quiet, and there's about four inches of heavy, wet snow on the ground. All I can hear is my footsteps, and then, as I walked, I started hearing something behind me. It sounded like much more careful footsteps like something was conscious of the noise it was making as I moved through this kind of wooded area. I would take a few steps and pause listening, and sure enough, there was this pat, 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 and then it would stop. I could see the brick bathroom structure, which was big enough for a men's and women's bathroom, with each bathroom having, I'm guessing, for the women's room, three stalls in it. So I take the F off, sprinting the last 100 or so feet, I fly through the door, slip and crash onto the floor, and then scramble to slam the door behind me and press myself against it. I thought for sure that a bear, or maybe a mountain lion, was stalking me through the trees, and that I had just barely gotten away. I could only hope that my friends were as aware as me, and would be able to get in the trucks or whatever. So there I was, sitting on the bathroom floor, with my back pressed against the door. It was cold, it was dark. I was wet and still very much freaked out. I checked my watch. I'd been bracing the door for about 15 minutes. I decided it'd probably be okay to stand up. Just as I stood up, 
There was this big thump, and the door knocked against me. I screamed, both out of shock and because some part of my animal brain was like make noise. Become large. There were loud noises coming from the other side of the door, and so I just carried on shouting and pressing against the door. Turns out it was my friend Nick. When I realized it was him, I sheepishly held the door for him and asked if anything followed him and explained what I was doing. He said he didn't hear anything on his way in, but that didn't mean I was crazy for thinking something tried to follow me. Now a pair, though, and emboldened, we decided we had to get back to the campsite and warn our other three compatriots. We set out slowly, carefully listening after our steps, straining to hear or see anything. We had flashlights and the moon was clear and bright off the snow, but it felt like every tree hid something with teeth. It was then that I heard it again. I grabbed Nick's shoulder and he nodded, saying, Yeah, yeah, I heard it too. We paused, listening and watching. I was squeezing my flashlight so tight I could feel the metal gritting into my hand. We heard it again, closer this time, but we still didn't see anything. Do we run or what? I half whispered, half shouted in the way that you do when you recognize you should be quiet, but can't contain the urgency of the statement. I don't know. I don't think so, said Nick. Among the five of us, I was the only one that wasn't an Eagle Scout. If Nick didn't know what to do, then I figured we were just done. I just thought that whatever came out of the dark was going to get bopped directly in the eye with my flashlight before it made a meal of me. Pat. Pat. It happened again, this time right in front of me. I knew what the noise was now. It was clumps of wet snow falling out of the trees. Idiot is not a strong enough word for what I felt like. Me and Nick laughed it off, both making fun of me, but also relieved we didn't have to fight for our lives on some campground. Later that day, we saw wolves hunting elk way off in the distance. We saw the Grand Prismatic Spring and the various geysers and springs in the basin around it. A ranger came to our campsite and said that a bear had been seen in the area, and we needed to be extra careful about putting out food and trash away tonight, but nothing came of it. It was a pretty good trip. I was living with my girlfriend in a nice little neighborhood that I later learned was in the wrong part of town. I walked by myself most nights, talking on the phone with my aunt as I did slow laps around the subdivision. That night I had looped around the whole place once or twice and was about 15 minutes away from home. I can remember that moment very well. I was on the sidewalk crossing a driveway beneath a lamppost that lit up the nearby house when I heard what was very clearly a dog growling from up the driveway near the garage door. I grew up with big dogs, Roddy's, Pitts, and Germans. I know how territorial they are, and I know that they can sometimes become more aggressive if you look at them, so I kept my head down and kept walking at the same pace, expecting that the dog would ignore me after I walked by. I told my aunt that there was a dog nearby, and she got really quiet. A lot of things went through my mind, but my brain just kept focusing on one thought. Don't run. Just don't run. Whatever you do, punch, kick, scream, but don't run. 
I heard its collar jangle as it got up, and I could hear it trotting slowly behind me to catch up. I looked over my shoulder and saw two thick rotwheelers staring straight at me, walking next to each other on the sidewalk about ten feet behind. I told my aunt that I'd call her back, but she refused to get off the phone. I walked, and they followed me. The next ten minutes were the most terrified I have ever felt. In the moment, I was sure that they could tell how scared I was. By the time I turned onto the street where I lived, I was in tears. After she gave up on asking questions, my aunt kept telling me, It'll be okay. Just keep walking and stay calm. Can't say for sure I would have stayed calm without her. Those dogs followed me all the way to my front door, growling the whole time. I've lived with Rottweilers bigger than them and never felt like I was in any danger. But something instinctual told me that night that those dogs wanted to hurt me. I know for sure that I was not safe around them. Funny thing was, I drove by that house every day for almost a year and never saw those dogs again. I continued to walk at night and never encountered anything similar. I used to walk my dog, one anima, up in the excess roads for the power lines in the town. They're probably two, three miles long, have a lot of ledges and obstacles. You have a nice view of the town below. It's just a nice place to walk your dog or jog or, or whatever. It was technically a restricted area on at the entries on either side, but people with houses around them could easily walk in through the woods, as I did. I'd see other people here and there walking their own dogs or jogging, but usually the same people. But it wasn't common to see people. So one day I'm walking my dog, Big Black Lab. He was almost 120 pounds, but burly. Not fat at all, but also the nicest and gentlest boy you'd ever meet. And he stops dead in his tracks, and his ears perk up, and he starts sniffing. Then he looks around behind me and starts staring. So I turn around, and I see a disheveled, raggedy-looking man sprinting toward us, probably 250 feet away. Then, when he sees me see him, he literally stops dead in his tracks and starts walking, as if I didn't just see him sprinting at me, and he's trying to hide that he was just doing that. Now, I'm not at all trying to say I wasn't creep, because I was. But with me fight, flight is pretty much always fight. So my brain starts going, and I decide the smart thing to do is stay put and not run. Let whoever this is know I have no reason to be afraid. So he approaches to talking distance, and I wait for him to say something. I just stare at him, holding the clip on the dogs, who is doing that soft, angry growl where the hair on his back is standing up, by the way, and he never growled at anyone. So now my guard is through the roof, leash. Big dog man, he says. He bite. Not as long as he's on the leash, I say, subtly playing with the clip on the leash with my thumb. Oh, hey, I'm looking for Gadden. Eric store? Is it that way? And he points. Yeah. I say. So he walks off, and I stood there watching him get way beyond any distance that he could run and catch up to me again. What he wanted, I have no clue, but I'm guessing to club me in the back of the head and rob me. But my boy had my back.
The sun hung low in the sky, casting long shadows across the dense forest as I, an inexperienced hunter, trudged through the underbrush. I had always wanted to impress my father with my hunting skills, and this trip was my chance to prove myself. Little did I know that this day would change my life forever. As I made my way deeper into the woods, I spotted movement in the distance. My heart raced as I cautiously approached, my rifle trembling in my inexperienced hands. Through the trees I saw what appeared to be a rare and endangered species, a majestic creature I couldn't quite identify. Without thinking, I raised my rifle and fired. The shot rang out through the forest, and the creature let out a heart-wrenching cry before collapsing to the ground. Horror washed over me as I realized what I had done. I just shot a creature on the brink of extinction, and I knew the consequences could be severe. Panicking, I rushed to the fallen animal. It was unlike anything I had ever seen. Overlong arms hung nearly to its feet, except that eight-inch claws jutted out from its long-haired fingers instead of fingernails. The creature was hairy all over with a sheen silver-like hair, and it had human-like hairy feet, almost size 35. But what truly baffled me was its head which resembled more that of a grizzly bear with a shorter but deeply scarred snout. These scars hinted at untold battles with beings even larger than itself. Yet those piercing blue eyes projected a sense of ancient experience. Tears welled up in my eyes as I knelt beside the fallen creature. I felt a profound sense of guilt and remorse for what I had done. I knew I had to hide the evidence to avoid the consequences, so I dragged the lifeless body deeper into the woods and concealed it under a pile of fallen leaves and branches. Just as I finished hiding the evidence, I heard a rustling in the bushes nearby. My heart leaped into my throat as I turned to see a sight that sent chills down my spine. Emerging from the shadows was another creature, one even more terrifying than the one I'd shot. It had those same overlong arms, claws, and the grizzly bear-like head. Frozen with fear, I watched as the creature's piercing blue eyes locked onto me. It emitted a guttural growl that seemed to vibrate through the very ground beneath my feet. Without warning, the creature began to charge toward me, its powerful legs propelling it forward with astonishing speed. In a blind panic, I turned and sprinted through the dense forest. My heart pounded in my chest as I heard the creature's heavy footsteps closing in behind me. Branches scratched at my face and roots threatened to trip me at every turn. I had never run so fast in my life, driven by pure terror. As I reached the edge of the forest, I burst into a clearing, gasping for breath. I looked back but saw no sign of the creature. Had I lost it, or had it given up the chase? I couldn't be sure. I stumbled out of the woods and into our campsite where my father and the rest of the hunting party were waiting. They could see the fear in my eyes and the dirt on my clothes. What happened, son? My father asked, concerned. I tried to catch my breath and compose myself. I... I saw something out there, something I can't explain. It was a creature like nothing I've ever seen before. And when I shot it, another one came after me. I barely escaped with my life. The other hunters exchanged worried glances. My father put a reassuring hand on my shoulder. We'll figure this out, son. 
We'll go back in the morning and see if we can find any trace of these creatures. That night, as we sat around the campfire, I couldn't shake the feeling of dread that had settled over me. I knew what I had seen was real, and I knew that no one would believe me. I swore to myself that I would never forget that day in the forest, no matter how unbelievable it may seem. It was a story I would carry with me for the rest of my life, a true story of a hunter who had accidentally crossed paths with something beyond my wildest imagination. Logically, next morning we didn't find any trace of this creature. True story. scariest thing that's ever happened to me was getting surprised by a moose. I was snowshoeing here in Colorado, and I didn't notice the big guy lying in the snow behind some trees until he stood up. He stood up when I got right next to him, like within arm's reach. I don't know if you've ever seen a moose, but they're big. If they don't want you there, you're not going to be. He definitely didn't like me there, and I immediately backed off. Only thing that really helped me was the fact that there were a few trees between us he had to walk around. If you've never snowshoed, it's a bit clumsy. Imagine trying to calmly walk backwards without falling into deep snow, while a big, angry moose is trotting towards you and you're wearing flippers. One wrong step and I'm getting stomped. By the time he gets around the trees, I'm a solid 15 feet away. Still too close but far enough that he lets me continue to back off. I've run into many animals, including bears and a big cat of some kind. This is the first time I truly felt in imminent danger. I was about 16 years old deer hunting in some very thick and rugged terrain in West Virginia. I was driving through some thickets in a small draw, and you tend to be pretty keyed up when you're doing that because you're trying to be sneaky and silent, but if you flush a deer, you may only have a second or two to see if it's a buck and get a shot off before they disappear into the woods. I heard something moving off to my left, saw a flash of white and gray fur about the right size, and without even thinking about it, I had my rifle to my shoulder thumb on the safety, and was trying to find antlers through the sights. It was an old man, had to be in his seventies. This was almost forty years ago, and I can still see every detail like I'd taken a photo. He was wearing dark green pants, a white shirt, a gray wool sweater, and had a gray felt hat on with a feather in the brim. He had an old pump, action 12-gauge shotgun he was using like a walking stick. I guess he'd never heard of Blaze Orange. In some kind of weird reflex action, I flipped the safety off, sights right dead center on that old man's chest. Then I guess there was a click of recognition, and I flicked the safety right back on. Then I threw my rifle on the ground, sat down, and threw up my breakfast in my lunch. I was born in Traverse City, Michigan, and lived there until 1993. It was the fall of 1991, and I had been at a friend's house. I was coming back to my house, and as I walked up toward my house, I saw the curtains in my living room window pulled aside and someone look out at me. As I walked through the front door, I came to realize no one was home. 
I was confused because I had clearly seen the curtain pulled back and a face looked out at me. I looked around the house and started down the hall toward my bedroom. The whole time I was thinking one of my brothers was playing with me and I was expecting them to hop out. My mother's room was at the end of the hall, near the lower right edge of her door. I saw what I thought was our cat peering around the corner at me. The dark face low to the ground. I called to the cat and then stood frozen as the face rose about four feet. I still get chills from the image in my mind. It wasn't the cat. It was something else. I remember this feeling in my legs that they wouldn't move. They were cemented to the floor like in nightmares. I felt chills run down my spine to my feet, and I bolted through the front door as fast as I could. I ran to the dirt driveway and stood still, unsure what to do or where to go. Suddenly I saw my mom and brothers and our car in the driveway. I had to shake off the feeling that I wasn't alone anymore, but also that the daylight was suddenly gone. Somehow, it had gone from day to night, and I had no memory of it. I don't remember my family pulling into the drive. Some call this missing time. Mine wasn't just missing. It was non-existent. Through the years, I have had a recurring dream about this event, and it becomes clearer as I get older. I remember my room and my bed. I remember staring out the window at night as I fell asleep and often seeing strange lights. I would mention these to my family and faced constant ridicule for it. This also occurred when I was much younger and my mother would try to explain them as simple tricks of the eyes. Light from cars or something in my peripheral vision seemed brighter than they really were. Many nights during my summer vacations from the years 1994, 1996, I would lay out after our bonfires and look at the stars. I had a fascination with counting satellites and seeing shooting stars. There were times I can remember seeing what I thought were satellites and following them and their heading only to see them waver and change direction. I can also recall seeing what I thought were multiple satellites in formation this all sounds ridiculous, I know, but I'm almost 40 now, and this is still with me. I carry it with me like a dark secret. I guess I'm looking for advice on this. I've heard there are therapy options or even hypnosis, although I'm a huge skeptic of hypnosis being used to remember events. Here's a story you can use if you want. When I was in my teens, probably 14 or 15, I remember tossing and turning in my bed in the early morning. I opened my eyes for a split second while turning over like most people do, and I swear to God I saw a small gnome. Gremlin, like creature, sitting on my shelf watching me, illuminated by the bluish early morning light coming in through the windows. It was about one foot tall, grayish-brown, wearing just a simple tunic on its torso, and that's it. It looked a bit like an elf from the Harry Potter movies, but they hadn't been released yet, so that image couldn't have been implanted in my brain, as if I was just dreaming this little creature was sitting there. I remember it was sitting with its legs crisscrossed, with its right hand resting on its left knee. It smiled at me waved very excitedly and smiled a big toothy grin like he was some long-lost friend happy to see me. Looking back on it, it seemed genuinely nice. 
I didn't sense any negativity or evil from it at all. I remember seeing it, knowing I was awake and not thinking anything of it. Upon waking up, though, I was creeped out. Did I really see that, or was I just half asleep and still dreaming? In my area of New England, near the Bridgewater Triangle, there are stories of pukwudges, which are from Native American folklore, basically small, impish trickster-type creatures. My father was also an avid collector of Native American artifacts like beads, pottery, and arrowheads, so maybe it was some sort of forest spirit hanging out in my house. This is not a UFO sighting, but something I feel is related and very interesting. After watching a program about a man with something in his body, they extracted it and did not know what it was. I immediately recognized the object, and even now I'm getting tingly just writing about it. I was about 16 years old, living in Burnaby, British Columbia, and I was rubbing my calf with my hands as I felt something. I looked closer to find there was something embedded in the right side of my leg below the knee. I tried to get a hold of it with my fingers, but it was too smooth and pointy to get a grip. My mother had a pair of tweezers close by. I propped my leg up on the bathtub. I pinched it with the tweezers and began to pull. I was shocked to see this thing in my leg being so long and pointy, yet I felt no pain. After I pulled it out, there was no blood, but only a hole. I looked at it closely and I can remember it being very similar to a thin yet long and pointy piece of rice. It had a gold brown color to it and was very hard. I didn't think much of it at the time as I was only 16. The best is yet to come. Frequently over the next several years I marveled at the hole. I looked at it, felt it, and didn't go away. For another couple of years I forgot about it. Then once again I remembered it. I looked at it and saw another object in the very same hole. I got up and looked for some tweezers. After finally finding some, I pulled it out again. It was identical to the one I pulled out the first time. Again, I was stupid and did not think to save the piece. It has been about 20 years since I pulled the last one out and still think of it. I still look at it, but it hasn't returned. The only thing I have left is a groan in the hole that you still can see. I joke about it to the people I tell and even show them the hole. I tell them the people planting this bug on me finally got sick and tired of me removing it. In October 2016, Ray Dove claims that she and two friends traveled to the Joshua Tree National Park to camp. All of them had an interest in ufology and hoped something would happen on their trip. On the first night, while lying in her tent, Dove was awakened by a large bug crawling across her face. Thinking it might be a spider, she immediately sprang up, grabbed the bug off her face, and tossed it. I could hear it hit the side of the tent. It was that big, she noted. She began to fall back asleep. She felt guilty or something and thought about removing the bug from the tent but was tired. I suddenly woke up again feeling that same squishy bug walking across my face. However, this time with more composure and care, I gently pulled the mystery bug off my face. 
I did that and placed it on the floor of my tent and shined my flashlight on it to see what it actually was. It was the largest ant I have ever seen. It must have been half an inch long. She noted that it was a transparent golden color. Not your normal everyday red and black little ants walking around for sure. This ant definitely didn't resemble the little red ants I had seen earlier that day outside our camp. She gently scooped it up and put it outside. That morning they all left. The very next day, a Saturday, they decided to return that night and do another camp out. They went off the main road far into the heart of the park. It was a bumpy dirt road in the middle of nowhere. We found a spot next to a small dried-out wash to one side of us and tall bushes surrounding us. We set up our chairs facing each other as we meditated, something we practice in order to raise our consciousnesses for sharper perception, she noted. Soon, the person sitting to her left by his third eye vision told her that two bright basketball-sized light flashes were going off next to her about three feet off the ground, fifteen minutes apart. Dove, of course, could not see anything, but she began to feel something, and it was weird. I could feel in the back of my head this is similar to what some would refer to as hair-raising. It felt like someone was standing directly behind me. About this time, I said out loud, They're here. The person seated next to Dove noted that he could feel them, too. We didn't know who they were, but intuitively knew that non-human beings were very near us. We could feel their presence. Dove attempted to communicate in her mind, and at one point felt a connection, though it felt emotionless. This being felt void of any strong feelings that I could pick up on, although there did seem to be a hint of curiosity on his part, she recalled. With my eyes closed, I saw the being with what some would call your third eye or intuitive vision. I only saw the outlining shape of the being's head. It was like that of an elongated upside-down triangle. At the same time, the person sitting next to me also intuitively picked up on a feeling of an insect with an elongated upside-down triangular head as well. Then, with my eyes still closed, I saw in my inner vision an approaching tall, maybe six-foot non-human being walking down the wash that was directly in front of me up towards the person to my left. Surprised, I opened my eyes and could still see the being approaching. According to Dove, the being seemed to be phasing in and out ever so slightly as he walked. He had his head turned to the side, looking directly at me. It was as if he was not actually touching the ground as he walked, but was gliding over it smoothly like on an elevator belt. He stopped within two feet of the person to my left, then turned slightly towards me, almost brushing against the person's side, which was felt on the arm of my fellow participant as a light brush. The being then phased out. I could no longer see him for a moment. Then suddenly I sensed the being standing directly in front of me, very close and watching me intently. It felt like a presence of warm energy. I could strongly sense the energy of this being. Dove attempted to communicate in her mind with the being, pushing thoughts of benevolence and peace. He was still looking straight at me. His body then faded out, leaving only the outline of his head with large, round, dark, shiny eyes. I then asked him telepathically, Who are you? As I waited for a response, his face slowly moved closer to mine until it stopped just one foot away from mine. 
He drew in closer still as his face phased out, completely leaving only his two dark eyes at eye level with my own eyes. Fixated on mine, keenly and piercing me as though he was trying to read me. I would open my eyes, then close them, then open them again, but his eyes were still there. His eyes drew in closer still, and in an intensely piercing fashion. He said to me, slowly telepathically, We are of the earth, and from the earth we are from an ancient land going back eons. Then his eyes dissolved into the night as I started feeling this strong connection, like connecting the dots from this being and that mysterious gold ant that was in my tent the night before. I would see this ant, like being in my mind, and then the visual would suddenly switch back to the ant, then back to the being again. This repeated several times back and forth. I felt a great respect for this being and the ant equally. We all sat in stillness and quietness for quite a while afterward, feeling the being's continued presence surrounding us. It felt as though there was more than one insectoid-like being there with us. In the years since her experience, she wondered if the being she saw was connected to the Hopian people. Could these ant-like insectoid beings that I met not be confused with mantis, like beings, greys, or others? Similarly described beings possibly be the same ant people of the legends and lore of the Hopi and other indigenous peoples. I believe that this is entirely possible, and I get a strong sense that after my experience with them, this is the case. The Hopi people have described ant-like beings that were friendly and helpful and acted as teachers. They were kind and were ultra-peaceful people. The one I met certainly fit all of these characteristics.